This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 259, The Top 10 Keys to Becoming Your Own Banker with Marty Smith. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. We've got a jam-packed episode, so I won't make you wait too long here, but I did want to just start the conversation with some ideas and concepts. We're going to get into the 10 key points to becoming your own banker and banking on yourself. Our wonderful esteemed guest is Marty Smith, who really brings it every time I talk to him. He just leaves me ramped up, excited, pumped up, ready to change the world. And in fact, that's exactly what we're doing, all of us, as we participate in this financial revolution, because banking, if you hadn't already guessed it, is the most important business in the world. In fact, all of us are in two businesses, our own business, our day jobs, or whatever we do for work, and we're in the banking business. And that's just the first of the 10 keys that he's going to cover in our conversation with Marty Smith today. Marty Smith is a vice president at Security Mutual Life Insurance of New York, one of my favorite places in the world and one of the best companies set ready to go for the bank on yourself concept. If you're looking for a more excited, motivated rebel in the banking space, in the life insurance space, you're not going to find one. Marty Smith is my go-to guy when I need to have like human caffeine. He is just a ball of energy and I hope to be just half as energized as he is to change the world every day. So anyway, let's take it away with Marty Smith. Marty, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks so much, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be here and talk with you. Marty, I think you are among the esteemed guests to do a three-peat on the podcast. This is your third appearance. And so I think this makes a Marty Smith trilogy. What do you have to say for yourself, my friend, being maybe one of the only people to make it on the contrarian show, not your average financial podcast three different times? Oh, well, I am a contrarian. That's for sure there. And it reminds me of the Saturday Night Live way back when, when they used to have people who would host it for five times. So three's the number here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Love it. Well, hey, we'll, we'll try to reach for five eventually, Marty. And you know a little bit about Saturday Night Live. Tell us a bit about where you've been the last few years, uh, 46, if I remember correctly. 46. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> 46 years. I my My wife and I have lived in Manhattan on the Upper West Side in the uh, <laughs> the neighborhood of the most liberal neighborhood probably in the United States. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting now for me, having grown up with a family of Roosevelt Democrats there to have run into the concepts of becoming your own banker and banking on yourself and circle of wealth and wisdom with people who I really love and admire and realize, wow, when you have money, you think a little differently about money now, and especially mm -hmm. these concepts give you such a wonderful insight into how money really works. And that's what this is all about. Marty, you've worked quite a while off of Wall Street, and you work for one of my favorite companies in the universe, Security Mutual Life Insurance of New York. And it's a company that's been around since the 1880s, if I recall. But 1886, yes. 1886. And for some reason, Security Mutual has really 
adopted the ideas of becoming your own banker. Why do you think that is? I think Security Mutual, because we are a mutual company, we are designed to do everything we can for our policyholder, as opposed to we don't have any shareholders, which other stock life insurance companies would have. And so that's a big difference there. Security Mutual has always been conservatively managed. And the idea of our flagship products are our whole life products. We don't have, we never went into the equity index market or variable market like that. We've really kept our focus on our policyholders doing what's right for them. And whole life is still our biggest product. So years ago, probably around 15 years ago, I had the opportunity to meet Nelson Nash and Don Blanton of Circle of Wealth. And what happened at that time was I realized that Security Mutual's products and philosophy fit in exactly with what they were trying to accomplish. And when I realized that, the strange thing was the chairman of the board, because Security Mutual is this type of company, knew I was attending one of these meetings and said to me, well, Marty, what do you think we should do? And I said, we should go wholehearted into this, into these concepts here of becoming your own banker and a circle of wealth because our products fit exactly what we want our clients to do. We believe in cash value. We want it to grow. And of course, the thing about the more your cash value grows, what happens to your death benefit? Guess what? That increases too, because life insurance is always first and foremost, the death benefit. And you never want to, you never want to take that perspective away from what life insurance does. Building cash value is the process of where you really increase what's going to happen to that death benefit too. So it's a wonderful combination. The biggest hurdle that I think the world faces, our country faces, when it comes to thinking like a banker, to becoming their own source of financing, to bank on themselves, I think the biggest hurdle is education. If we were just selling cans of beans, it'd be a different conversation. Uh, right. But this is a nuanced, invisible contract of wealth. I love that because it's not a commodity. It's an education process. It's a paradigm shift. At least my business deals in paradigm shifts. That's what we focus on. That's what we bring to our clients. And quite frankly, it's what I still have. <laughs> I should have a little counter on my desk saying days since last paradigm shift, because it just happens that often around here. You've been able to think about this for quite a while, Marty. And the wonderful thing about what you do is you're able to elucidate and simplify and really streamline the paradigm shifts. And you've even given us now 10 key points that I'd love to hear from you that help people when they're thinking about this new concept, if it's brand new to them, to think about these 10, it's almost like David Letterman's top 10 list. Can you describe and maybe just run through the 10 sure. key points to becoming your own banker? Yeah. These 10 key points, literally, I took them from Nelson Nash's book. So let me begin like this. Infinite banking or the infinite banking concept, I think, is a pretty simple concept. It's based on the book that's called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, is the Bible of the infinite banking concept, which Nelson created. It's the source that everybody who uses this concept or a, a variation of this concept, it 
always leads back to this book. Now, I could say that Nelson Nash was a life insurance salesman who created the infinite banking concept, but calling Nelson Nash just the life insurance salesman doesn't do him the honor or the justice that he deserves. Nelson was first and foremost a forester. That hands-on forestry training allowed him to think 70 years into the future, just like we do in life insurance. He was also educated in Austrian economics, which gave him this counterbalancing thought process of how money really works, as opposed to the general thought out in macroeconomics land of Keynesian economics. Nelson was also an entrepreneur who did real estate investing. Plus, and probably very interestingly, he was a pilot and he used wonderful images of flying to illuminate the ideas of how things work. I guess I should say it like this. Nelson Nash was an original, brilliant, thoughtful, provocative gadfly, a thinker's thinker who was able to cut through and challenge conventional wisdom about money. The infinite banking concept really is a different way of thinking about money. And when you hear it, it's going to strike you like, why haven't I heard of this before? Or why haven't I heard people talk about this concept in the way that it's being presented now? Mm-hmm. It's all pretty fascinating because it's really about how money actually works. And one of Nelson's most famous comments is how one thinks, how you think makes all the difference in the world. And that's what this is all about. Here are the 10 key points of becoming your own banker. The first point is, as Nelson would like to say, banking is the most important business in the world. Not banks, but the concept of banking. Number two, how would you define banking? What is banking? Well, banking is where someone or some organization has control of a pool of money that can and must flow at a cost to meet some need. That cost is what we call interest. That someone who controls money could be your parents, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, your friends. It's someone with money. And that could also include banks and other financial institutions. The third point is that there is only one pool of money and it's all part of the same system. So this concept applies to everybody, everywhere, all around the United States, all around the world, because there is only one pool of money. Fourth is this wonderful idea that you finance everything you buy. And what does that mean? If you finance everything you buy, that means you either pay interest to somebody else for the use of their money, like to buy a car, to pay for your mortgage, to make a major capital purchase, or you give up interest that you could have earned by paying cash. So either way, you either pay interest to somebody else or you give up earning interest in every transaction that you make. And once you understand that fact, that helps you to focus on how do I really use my money? Which brings us to the fifth key point, which is the alternate use of money must be reckoned with. We call that alternate use of money opportunity cost. So what's opportunity cost? It's very simple. If I lose a dollar, then I didn't have to give away. I not only lose that dollar, but what that dollar could have earned for me. If I pay too much in taxes, it's too much. You know, if I pay too much in interest, that's too much. I'm never going to have access to that money again. So if I pay interest, everybody understands that concept. But if I pay cash for something, 
which is certainly what my parents did since they were raised in the Great Depression and save for everything that they paid for because they didn't really have credit cards back then or when I was a boy growing up. You paid cash. But when you pay cash, what that really means is you're taking money out of your bank. You're never going to earn interest on that money again. Somebody else's. You do have what you bought, but you're never going to earn interest again. And that's something that is critical to your understanding. Nelson brings us all these different ideas. There's this great idea in point number six. He said, Nelson said that the real problem is that the average American is paying out 34.5 cents on every disposable dollar on interest, fees, and charges. If you think about the way that you finance your car or you pay for your mortgage or make major capital purchases or use credit cards, that's the number that Nelson came up with. The number is not so important as the idea that a large portion of what you pay is going towards interest, fees, and charges. It's not going into your pocket. It's coming out of your pocket and going to somebody else. Point number seven is that the need for finance then is the greatest financial need during one's life. And it's probably even greater. And being a life insurance person, I even hate to say this, even greater than one's need for life insurance protection. But I'll get back to that idea shortly there. The eighth point is, again, another wonderful idea. The whole idea of becoming your own banker gives you better control of the principal and interest that you're paying for the major items that you need during your lifetime. And that would include the cars you own, major appliances, the way you pay for education, housing, a down payment on a house, investment opportunities. And of course, when it comes to business owners, business equipment and inventory. The infinite banking concept lets you recapture control of the financing process. It's so much easier, faster, and even more profitable than any commercial financing that you do through banks and other finance companies, which kind of leads us to point number nine. You can create a system of finance throughout your entire lifetime. And the key to that system, as Nelson would say, is using dividend paying cash value, whole life insurance. Nelson didn't say use universal life. Nelson didn't say use variable life. Nelson didn't say use IUL, indexed universal life. He said use whole life. And there's lots of reasons for that. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And then finally, number 10, and perhaps this is the key thing. The infinite banking concept is, as we were saying, Mark, a major paradigm shift. It not only is a major paradigm shift, it requires a major mm -hmm. paradigm shift in the way that one thinks about money. If you understand how money works, you're going to treat it a lot differently than what you've been accustomed to or what you've been taught to do. Again, Nelson would finally say that the infinite banking concept is a personal wealth building strategy. The starting point is discovering that banks are really the ones that control that worldwide pool of money. And they have been for thousands of years. There's great books out there on this topic. David Graeber's got a great book called Debt, The First 5,000 Years. That's the name of the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the name. And I love it because it says the first 5,000 years, meaning there's another 5,000 years to come. So 
I just think this is not going to fix itself. This idea of we're under the thumb of the banker and we got to kiss his ring before we can do what we want with our life. Even if that stat of 34 cents is half true, 34 cents on the dollar, even if that's just half true, that's a devastating blow to anybody's financial plan because I don't care what you're getting on your mutual funds. If you're doing that with the banker, if you're in that kind of a deal with the devil, uh, you're going to be working into your too late a years, let's just say. So I think the genius of Nelson and, and his calling to bring this to light for the rest of the world is really remarkable. And the only question is, when will folks wake up to it and give it a shot and think different about their money, uh, which is what this podcast is trying to do as best we can over here. Marty, thank you for these 10 key points. Any, sure. any initial feedback or would you like to jump right into some stories? You know, People now, certainly with what's going on in uh, today's economy, really have to be open and aware of what's happening here. And the idea is at a certain point, who do you want to be in control? Becoming your own banker puts you in control of your money, puts you in control of understanding how money works. That's what you have to focus on. That's great. Oh, that's and I imagine you've got several different examples of this and stories. Maybe give us an example of how this has played into some of your conversations with friends and colleagues that you've worked with. Sure. The first story I'd like to tell you, it is a true story. I'm out on the road doing a sales call with one of my young agents. And as we're coming back to New York City, we're driving down Route 46 in New Jersey. Route 46 is, you know, is an old time highway. It's not an interstate. It's there's diners and gas stations and car dealerships and freestanding stores. There, mall, malls weren't built along those types of roadways there. And certainly, and still haven't been more so now, but we're driving back through Route 46. And of course it goes through my old hometown. So I look over to the right and I see this little car dealership and I say, well, Hey, let's pull over and then walk out on the, walk out on the lot and look at the cars. So we pull over and I said, before you do that, I said, grab one of Nelson's book, becoming your own banker, and then take off your tie because we will walk on the lot. Like we're normal people here, just watching, you know, looking at the car. So sure enough, we're roaming among the cars and then there's a little office and sure enough, Sooner or later, uh, a young man comes out of the office and approaches us and asks us how we're doing. And I say, hi, I, I said, hi, I'm, I'm Marty Smith. I used to live just a few streets away from here for the first 18 years of my life. You know, I've been around cars my whole lifetime. My father and his seven brothers and three brother-in-laws were all mechanics and auto body repairmen. So I've been around cars my whole life. I'm looking at the cars here on the lot and they look fantastic. They look great. So congratulations. So he says, thank you. Thank you. I said, what can, he says, well, what can I do for you? I said, you know, I was looking for the owner. And he says, oh, well, I'm the owner. I said, wow. I said, that's, that's fantastic. Congratulations. That's really cool. I said, I never went into the same business as my father and my uncles dealing with cars, but I am in a business that I know could have helped them tremendously. And so he says, what's that? I said, well, before I answer, I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? And he says, yeah, sure. I said, my question is this, the cars that you have on the lot, how did you pay for them? And he said, I paid 
cash. So I said, you paid cash. I said, then you deserve even more congratulations. There must be a half million dollars of cars sitting on this lot here. He says, there's a lot more than that. Mm. I said, fantastic, fantastic. I said, do you mind if I ask you another question? He says, yeah, sure. I said, well, when the cars are sitting on the lot with all your inventory here, how much money is it earning for you while it's sitting on the lot? He looks at me strangely. He said, it's not earning anything that's sitting on the lot. I said, oh, I said, well, let me ask you another question. When you took the money out of the bank to pay for the cars for all this inventory, how much interest did the bank pay? And he says, <laughs> looks at me cross-eyed now and says, what are you talking about? The bank didn't pay me any interest. I just took the money out of the bank. I bought my inventory and you know, it's just sitting here on lot. I don't make any money until I actually sell the car. I said, oh, I said, that's pretty interesting. Let me ask you this. What if there was a way so that when you took money out of your bank, that you would continue to receive interest on it? And as the cars were sitting on the lot here waiting to be sold, instead of not earning anything for you, they still would be earning, say, interest and dividends while the cars were waiting to be sold. Would that make more sense to you? Would that be a better way for you to operate your business? He says, because he's from New Jersey and has a colorful way of speaking like I do. He said, there's no blanking way that could happen. (laughs) And I lean into him, but what if there was? What if there was a way for you to become your own banker and you as your own banker, you would have the opportunity to access money at any time from your bank still as you're using that money, you'd be able to receive interest and dividends on that money while your inventory was just sitting on the lot. How much more profitable could that be to you? How much more beneficial? I said, by the way, when you went to the bank, you, well, you didn't take a loan. You got that money out as cash, right? But if you had to go to the bank and get a loan, what kind of reams of paperwork would you have to fill out in order to get that money? He says, no, you're right. You're right. So sure enough, he says, hey, listen, I said, well, that's the kind of business that I'm in. That's what I know I could have helped my father, my family, all my uncles and their businesses to do that. So he invites us into his office there. We sit down. I show him the book. I said, have you ever seen this book, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash? No. Have you ever seen the picture of Nelson Nash on the back? Have you ever heard this concept? No, no. I said, let me tell you something. This book, Becoming Your Own Banker, is the most important book you're ever going to read about money. It's the most important book you're ever going to read for your business. And I guarantee you, this book is going to change the way you think about money. It's going to change the way you think about your business. It's going to make you vibrate. You're going to be so excited. You're going to realize this idea that you've never seen before. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to change the way you finance your cars, your inventory, the way you handle money completely from now on. All right. I give him the book. I say to my young agent here, give me your business card. So I said, Hey, listen, a week from now, we'll come back here and we'll have a discussion about the book. See if it works for you. See if you understand what it was, or if you happen to read the book ahead of time, just give us a call and we'll come back and we'll have a conversation. Is that fair enough? He says, sounds good. Sounds good. Let me get back to work. Great. So we leave. The next morning, what happens? My young agent is rustling himself out of bed there and the phone rings. What's that? So he says, hello, who is this? And of course, 
It's the young business owner. He says to my new agent, oh my God, I read the book last night. I've got to see it. When can I come and see you guys to talk about this concept here? This is, I've, I've got to talk to you. So sure enough, we set up a meeting. We have, uh, he comes to see us. It turns out that he's 33 years old. He's 33. He's got a three-year-old. He's got a newborn. He's been in the car business for about the past six years, whatever, owned the place for the past two years. And Mark, if I said to you, how much would a 30-year-old business owner who has a little little place on Route 46 in New Jersey, how much do you think he was had in his bank account? Just scratching by, I'd assume. Well, guess what? He had $700,000 sitting in his bank account. So think about that. Think about what you and I would be able to do to help this young, successful, hardworking business owner transform the way he thinks and to take that 700000 and now reapply it in a way so that he became his own banker so that he wouldn't have to rely on any financing. And so that understanding how you finance everything you buy, how he was going to be able to create his own personal wealth building strategy just by owning the products that we're able to help him finance his business. I just kept thinking, I said, do you have any life insurance? Because geez, you've got your wife, you got your two kids. He says, no, I don't have any. I said, hey, listen, before you walk out the door today, guess what's going to happen? We're going to guarantee that they're protected no matter what happens to you. I think the biggest aha is when people realize that, yes, there is a problem. 80% of us don't realize that banking is even a problem in our life. We feel like it's a necessary evil of living to be under the thumb of a banker. And then to top it off, there's a solution to the problem. And it's so uniquely like clear and simple, and it doesn't require a PhD in economics to figure this out. And, you know, a guy just 33 year old running a little uh, car shop, he's able to get it in one night. I would love to know from you, Marty, what would change about this country? You're a history buff and you understand this country better than most, I would say, and how the government works and how society works, how generations have come and gone. What would happen if just 10% of Americans read that book and really took it to heart and implemented it in their life. What do you think would change if folks really implemented this idea of becoming your own banker? You know, I appreciate everything you said, Mark, there. It's if 10% of the people in the United States read that book, were able to understand it and then implement its practice there. Think of the freedom the increased freedom and joy that they would have and the wealth that would be created for themselves, that they wouldn't have to be beholding to anybody. They wouldn't be dependent on the government for anything that they need. The the government, I would add to that credit card companies. I would add to that student loan, the student loan crisis. That'd be a totally different animal right there. Yes. I'm thinking about what about the Federal Reserve, the institutions that are just n- the normal basis for existence that we think have, were just brought down from Mount Sinai thousands right. of years ago. No, they are right. recent creations right? Uh, and dividend paying whole life insurance pre-exists all those things that I just listed. 
you would be going back to a time before the government had such uh, incredible, powerful, too much influence on our society that it has right now. Again, the, the freedom that owning dividend-paying cash value life insurance and being able to create your own private family bank. As I say to my son, I said, dude, if you want to buy a car, where are you going to go to? Are you going to go to the dealership or are you going to come to the Smith Burke family bank and receive your monies there? Because guess who's going to be the ultimate recipient of the Smith family bank? Mm-hmm. It's you are, right? Think about this of the Willis family bank here. If you're going to buy a house, if you're going to buy a car, and anytime you want to do that, you want to retain wealth within your own family. Many more people can become rich, so to speak. Many more people can be totally independent. I won't even use the term rich. They you become independent financially and be able to help themselves, their families, and anybody else they deem worthy of it there or would want to be part of it there just by becoming their own banker and having that. As my good friend, Tim Urich would always say, Marty, how good does it feel to have a million dollars of cash value inside your life insurance policy? Because that's, again, it goes to what all the unique advantages that life insurance offers. I said, for my business owner, I said, hey, dude, if something happens here and somebody gets injured on the lot and you have $700,000 in your bank account, are creditors able to access that? Or or could there be a suit or a judgment against you where you'd have to pay them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what happened if that $700,000 was inside of that dividend paying whole life insurance policy? In most states, practically every state, that money would be protected from lawsuits and creditors there. Love it. Marty, I, as we as we wrap up here, the the story Wait a second, I've got 10 more stories to tell you. <laughs> I was going to say you've you've got a you've got a I think a treasure trove of passion and not just passion but examples of this getting right. getting into people's lives. You've got the billboard moment, you've got the Super Bowl ad. It's Marty Smith time. You can say whatever you want. What is it that people don't realize about infinite banking that they need to know that Marty Smith is here to tell them? I would say that infinite banking is a personal wealth building strategy that actually works. It puts you in control of your money. I'm on an educational quest here to help Mm -hmm. people understand what do the banks, financial institutions, and other, unfortunately, other institutions do. They're not teaching us the way of the world. They're not telling us how things actually work. And that's what one thing that Nelson would always say is they don't have any obligation to tell us how banking works, but guess what? If we knew how it worked, we would want to do something a little different for ourselves here. Well said, Marty. You've got, I think, a tr- just a tremendous amount of wisdom and insight into this concept and many things, many areas way beyond this. Let's pin you down for an episode on the Civil War someday, just as case <laughs> in point. But you've got a tremendous amount of wisdom on this concept, and you, I think, are rightly due your chance to share that chip with the rest of the world where possible. And we'd love having you come on to give you that shot to do so. That'd and be folks, great. folks, the 10 key points are going to be in our show notes be sure to reread and re-listen to this episode a few times because the 10 key points are not just something to zip through. So listen carefully, 
go over them and uh, then reach out and we'd be happy to chat with you about this. If we're ever driving through Route 46 and we see a car dealership, uh, we know how this guy is financing his deals now. So that's great, Marty. Thanks for changing his life and so many others. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate being on. What an awesome episode. Thank you, Marty. And thank you, everybody, for going through that with us. I'm just going to leave you with a few quick questions. One, if you discovered you were driving down the highway, making good time, but then looked up and realized the signs and realized you were going in the wrong direction, when would you want to know and when would you turn around? Next question, if what you believe to be true about money turned out not to be true, when would you want to know? Boy, that's such a good question. Man, that just melts my brain. If what you believe to be true about money turned out not to be true, when would you want to know? And third and last question, what are the wealth transfers in your life that you're unnecessarily or even unknowingly making to banks, the IRS, credit card companies, colleges, and other financial institutions? These are crucial key moments in your life that suck and zap the wealth right out of your pocket and into those of the banks and other banksters like them. So I hope this episode has been helpful. It's really one of those episodes that really reorients us and gives us smelling salts for the paradigm of becoming our own source of financing. Guys, keep on the lookout for the banksters in your life. Get rid of them, fire your banker, and become your own source of financing, just like Marty Smith talks about. Good on you, Marty, and I'm glad to be part of the revolution with you and with each of you listening today. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.